the second Bible reading tonight comes from Luke chapter 14, verses uh, 15 to 24. That's the Gospel of Luke 14, 15 to 24. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in, so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is God's word. All right, g'day everyone. Now, John, when he introduced me before, he didn't quite mention this is my first sermon, so I thought I'd just get you prepared. So I've got, got this here. And, uh, and the story is that once you've done 120 hours of preaching, you can turn around and you get your preaching place. <laughs> but uh, maybe we'll just put that aside for the moment. So first off, I'll pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Um, I pray that your word may challenge us all tonight and that you will be glorified. I ask for your help that you may help me to speak clearly and that those here will have ears ready to hear. Amen. Okay, so have, have you ever gone to a restaurant and, you know, come out disappointed? Maybe the food just wasn't good enough or, or as my wife would say, the atmosphere just wasn't quite right? Like, it could have been too expensive. You know, there's lots of reasons why a restaurant just isn't quite how it should be. But my wife, Anna and I, or my, Anna and my, my wife, We've been uh, on the lookout recently for Groupon vouchers. So Groupon vouchers are vouchers you can buy off the net and, and they provide discounts for restaurants. So we're after these elusive ones that, you know, really good food, good atmosphere, all that stuff at a cheap price. So the other day, Anna and I went out for a date with a Groupon voucher. And uh, the deal was, for two people and 25 bucks, we could have all we could eat tappers or entrees. Which I think they should be cool. <laughs> the catch was we had to be done in 90 minutes. So, yeah, a bit of pressure there. The at- atmosphere was all right, service was good, and the food was nice. But we knew we had a winner when we added up how much it would have cost us if we ordered all those items off the bill. 115 bucks. So we had a winner. We went home satisf- satisfied and we had a good fee. But this is nothing compared to the meal that Jesus talks about, you know, it makes ours look like a dog's breakfast. 
You know, this, this story in Luke, it's about the feasting God's kingdom. This is the bee's knees of all meals. It's got the greatest host, has wonderful food, and it lasts for all eternity. This is the ultimate Groupon voucher, the gold plated Groupon voucher. It's infinitely better, but it's all free. So, if it is so good, who's going? How do I get one of these ultimate Groupon vouchers? Who will be there? Who is God going to eat with? Would he eat with me? In the parable we heard read, the Pharisee in verse 12 thought he was going to be there. He was certain that there was a special seat reserved for him at this free feed with God. He'd already put himself in this blessed category. As he says to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So will this Pharisee be eating at the feast in the kingdom of God? Pharisees are considered to be the cream of the crop. In Jewish eyes, they were the most respected men of society. They were the religious people, always seen to do good. There isn't really a profession in our age today that could be respected up to that level. You know, if you mash up all the good bits of firemen and judges and engineers, you might be getting close. This, this Pharisee is pretty confident that he will be at the feast and why not? He's a good bloke. He's probably helped countless old ladies across the street. He'd be bringing in his neighbour's bin. He'd be letting cars cut in front of him during peak hour. Surely he deserves a free feed with God. So why is Jesus telling us this story? Everyone knows that this Pharisee is a good bloke and that his seat is reserved. That's what we think too, right? Well, let's see what Jesus has to say. So, reading from verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So, in this parable, we've got a man giving a great banquet. This is God. He has prepared a fantastic free feed and invited heaps of people. In the Jewish custom, if you're invited to a banquet, you advise the host if you can make it, just like we do today in sending in RSVPs. So in this parable, the host was ready, the food was prepared, the serviettes were nicely folded, and the crockery crockery were matching. Just need some guests. So... God, he sends his servant to provide this a gentle reminder to say, hey, it's all ready, I'll see you soon. Because these guests were expected to come and they'd already given their word that they would. But but what happened? What did they say? So we look at verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married so I can't come. So these guests, they begin to make excuses. To make an excuse was indeed a grave breach of, of etiquette. You know, in our culture it's pretty bad, but in theirs it was grievous. It was a personal insult to the host. 
Because so many made their excuses, it was essentially a conspiracy to ensure that this banquet would fail, that you'd have a banquet with lots of food and no one there to eat it. So whatever these excuses are, they must be good. What excuse warrants not having a meal with God? What could be more important? So in verse 18, man number one says, I've just bought a field and I need to see it. Please excuse me. It's not that often that someone purchases a bit of land without seeing it. But that's what this bloke does. If I buy a house, I reckon I'd go have a look beforehand. So his excuse was was pretty pathetic. He didn't really have to inspect the field that instant. He could have gone the next day. This is like saying to those, look, I'm really sorry, but I've got to organise my sock drawer. Other things of this become more important. Okay, so verse 19, we meet man number two. I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. A yoke of oxen means two oxen joined together with a wooden beam. So man number two, he's bought ten oxen. Just like man number one, he's purchasing purchasing without looking at them. In those times, oxen were tried before you buy items. It's a similar case to the man with the field. He could have tested them at a later time. Both of these excuses these men... Both the excuses these men made would have been absurd. People just don't do those things. In the same way, we would laugh at someone wanting to rush home and watch Days of Our Lives or I've got to check to see if the kettle's boiled. So now man number three. I just got married so I can't come. From all appearances, it seems to be the most legitimate excuse of the three but there are a few slight things to notice. He doesn't say that, that, that the wedding day is on that day. If it was, he could have been polite and told the host that, hey, I can't make it, I've already got plans. But instead he uses his marriage as an excuse. My three-year wedding anniversary is coming up later this month and, yes, I have gone out to celebrations and parties and events since I have been married. For those singles out there, your social life does not halt after your wedding day. But does this man's life halt after he is married? Unlikely. It's probably more likely to be scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to look for a reason not to be there. Hence, wife equals excuse. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy added to the conversation and said... I'm really sorry, but we've got this Tupperware party on and, and then we're going to be watching this movie. You know, we hired it and it's going to be really good. Pride and prejudice. You know, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> Originally, these three guests did want to come. They had RSVP'd and they were going to be there, but they'd become consumed by the world. So when this servant reminded them about the feast... They made their excuses and said no. They decided that I have more important stuff to do in my life than to go to this banquet. But what do these rejections mean for the host? How does God feel about it when we don't want to come to his party? He's angry. 
God is angry. The free feed that he is prepared and his ultimate Groupon voucher that he has offered has just been rejected. His kindness and generosity spat on. When I was about to turn 18, my twin sister and I decided we would celebrate our birthday with a bush dance. So we sorted out these decorations, we've killed the sheep and the pig and chucked it on the spit and we'd sent out all these invites. As part of those invites, were, I invited everyone in our school level, all 24 of them. The party was great and everyone had a great time, but there was one bit that wasn't as great. So in my year level, there were 10 guys. I'd invited them all, but only one turned up. The others didn't take the time or effort to let me know they couldn't make it. In fact, I never heard an excuse. No one had a flat tyre, lost the invite, or even had some field they had to check out. I was a bit sad about it all. I've been to school with these guys since kindergarten, played footy with them, had classes with them, hung out after school, went hunting. We just shared life. In fact, it was pretty hard not to see them in a town of 800 people. I remember on the night of my party, in a bit of disappointment, saying to another friend, I guess I know who my real friends are. In actual fact, they had chosen who their friends were. This was just for a simple party, but can you imagine the pain that God went through when the people he created and loved just rejected him? When they said, I have more important stuff to do in my life than to celebrate with you. So what does God do about it? He does a crazy thing. He could have cancelled the banquet. He could have threw out all the food. He could have gorged it all on himself. But instead he invites other people. This wasn't something I did for my party. After all, it was the country. And who knows who would turn up. <laughs> I wasn't quite ready to throw open the doors and have those, you know, two cousins who married each other down the road <laughs> make an appearance. But, he, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. God graciously invites the poor, crippled, blind and lame. These are guests that haven't done anything to deserve an invite. There's no way they could pay back the host for this free feed. These are people in the ancient world who were pretty much left to die. There wasn't any social welfare. There wasn't any Centrelink. If their family had no means to care for them, that was it. They're just on the streets, left to die. But these people were invited. And that is crazy. It defies, defies any social norms. Because you just wouldn't have anything to do with these people. They're dirty, they're filthy. Could you imagine their table manners? This was way worse than even having those married cousins turn up. 
But unlike the religious Pharisees, they knew that they were unworthy. They were unworthy to go to any nice dinner, let alone the banquet of this great host. And so we see in his parable this, in the end it's the whole meals full of these people who are blind and lame and crippled. It's scandalous stuff. Those who were originally invited, they didn't get to have a taste of a little bit of the banquet. They thought they were too good for this banquet. They're too important for the host. And so in the end, they just miss out. You see, this parable has something to say to these Pharisees. It really, it turns the world upside down. It says to them that they will not have a part in the banquet of the kingdom of God because they're just too proud to go. This would have shocked them big time. This lets them know that for God bank, God's banquet, they've just got no part in it at all. These were the good guys. But this parable still speaks to us today. It makes us clear to us who will be the ones who will be part of the banquet. You see, this banquet is not just about the free food. It's about being in heaven, celebrating all eternity with God. This is life after death. So who are these people that God will bring to the feast, that will bring to his banquet? It's going to be those who recognise that they are unworthy just like the lame, the blind and the crippled, those who recognise that they do not deserve any part in the kingdom of God. It's a recognition that we're sinners, that we have a broken relationship with God. We don't deserve God's kindness. We don't deserve God's concern. We don't deserve God's love. Let's face it, we don't deserve heaven. And this is the point. This is the ultimate group on voucher, freely offered to people like you and me. It has no expense to us, but it's infinitely better and grander than anything we might enjoy on earth. But there is a cost. We're not paying it. And we don't see it in this parable, but we see it towards the end of Jesus' life. The cost for us to go to heaven to this banquet, was the death of Jesus. This was the cost paid for unworthy people like you and me. This was the cost paid so we could have the ultimate group on voucher. So what will we do? The invitation is offered by Jesus. We're all invited to this dinner, this feast, And the voucher's in your hand waiting to be used. So we've got some alternatives. You can be like the blokes at my school who didn't bother the rock up and didn't want to celebrate with me. You can be like the three people who made their excuses. You can pass on to God and say, on November the 4th, 2012... I received a personalised ultimate Groupon voucher from your servant, Jesus. 
He'd invited me to come to this free feed. He's going to forgive my sins and give everlasting life. But I can't come today because I'm just a bit too busy to think about Jesus. Because making money is more important. Because I'm going to wait till I'm a bit older. Because I just need a little bit more job security. Because I think I might be able to get there some other way. What's your excuse? What excuse warrants not coming to a meal with God? There is another alternative. You could accept this ultimate group on voucher, just like those unworthy, blind, lame outcasts in this story. You could recognise that you're an unworthy sinner and say yes to Jesus who's paid the price with his life. We can say, yes, we are unworthy, but we want to go to this banquet. We want to go to heaven. We want to be with God. And you know what? Because of that, God's going to welcome us with open arms. Let's pray.